Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. Hey, welcome back. It's Sean Hart along with my business partner here, Mr. Seth Stevens. You know who he is, the man who needs no introduction. This is another episode of the Post Purchase Podcast where we bring new tactics, new strategies, service providers, softwares that you may or may not know about and tools to the Amazon seller community. Seth, we have a special guest today, don't we? We do, Sean, and I love hosting this show because we always get to meet amazing entrepreneurs, amazing people that are out there really pushing the envelope in different areas and with different strategies. So like the gentleman that we are hosting today, he has got a completely different angle just because of how he sits in the marketplace. So without further ado, um, I'd like to bring on Mr. Matt Ferguson, who is the co-founder and partner director of Rich Insight. Matt, please, uh, um, you know, Tell everybody hello, and um, we're really excited to have you here on the Post-Purchase Podcast today. Really excited to be here. Thanks, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, so not much else to say. Uh, Co-founder <laughs> of Rich Insight, and uh, we, we, we help you with your marketplaces. All right, <laughs> Matt. So um, we love to dig into... Um, you know, uh, our guest backstory, because it really helps set the stage for who they are, what experience they have, and then, you know, what we can talk about on the show. So you've got a little bit more of a, of a history than what you give yourself credit for. You guys are based in London. You have a significant experience in helping brands achieve their marketplace goals by unlocking sales and brand awareness and operational efficiency on third-party marketplaces, right? So walk us through um, your history here. How did you get into this space and why did you uh, co-found this company? Sure. Uh, I sort of fell into it, if I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I was in Florida at the time looking for work. And uh, this was a while ago. As you can say, I've got thin hair and graying beard. So <laughs> I've been around the block a little bit. Uh, at the time, I was just looking for a job. I was fresh off the boat, so to speak. And um, I took a position for a small startup e-commerce company. This was before e-commerce manager was was really a position that was quoted for. And uh, the, the job was a jack of all trades, doing websites, doing sales, managing a few website channels, and managing some marketplaces, Overstock, uh, eBay, and Amazon when it was really in its infancy of FBA and barely anyone had heard of it. Um, Sort of graduated from there to another larger company, also doing e-commerce activities for them, websites, marketplaces, online sales. Um, and that went well for a couple of years. Decided to move back to, to Europe for a time. Uh, took a small position in Poland, helped one of my old friends start up a car marketplace. Um and then decided to to, to to shop around, decided to, to, to land into the UK. And although I probably sound like I'm from here, I hadn't really lived here much prior to that. I'd moved around most of my life. Um, so the UK was kind of a new place for me. It was a bit of a culture shock. And I took a job at Channel Advisor, which is a big US company for marketplace management. Uh, I was in their US, uh, sorry, their UK offices. Um, led the service team there for a couple of years, Dealt with a lot of marketplaces, dealt with a lot of 
business models, did a lot of integrations, a lot of problem solving, macro and micro problem solving. Um, got poached to one of their competitors uh, in London called Volo Commerce, formerly Easy Pro. Uh, and in between that time, got a lot of attention on my LinkedIn, a lot of clients saying, hey, want to come work with us? Can you work on the side? And so slowly decided that uh, it was time to, to, to try something for myself with me and my business partner. And so we jumped ship with a handful of clients in the bag uh, overnight, turned it into a little agency. And uh, the last five, six years have just been growing, got some new partners, growing the service and uh, just expanding and building and refining things as we go. I love it. Well, that's an amazing introduction. I know you're probably um, making it sound like Seth said a little more simple than it really is. So I know there's a, a huge amount of knowledge in that big brain of yours. So we're going to try to pepper some questions in here to to do a deep dive and find out, you know, what does Matt know? Matt from House Ferguson, as we like to say, and uh, what was it called? Game of Thrones. <laughs> that's where I think I got that. So. Um, if, if you don't mind, Matt, can you uh, shed a little light, if you would, on your opinion of what is the toughest barrier for Amazon sellers to overcome today? Oh, that's an interesting question. I think um, it definitely depends on your business model and where you are, if you're just starting out or if you're more established. Um, certainly what we're seeing is that there's, there's, a, there's a fall of 1P and a rise of 3P. Um, so, so, you know, there's a lot more seller sort of third party for um, sort of sales going on. And I think the trouble that Amazon is facing increasingly over the years is that it's becoming harder and harder for um, starting points and, and, and smaller operations to, to, to find their footing. And that's just because with the rise of the requirement of Prime and FBA, and then the need for a lot of branded content, marketing, and all the design work. There's a, there's a lot of upfront costs, and then there's a lot of marketing budget needed to, to launch and be successful. And so a lot of companies, they don't have the luxury of spending a whole year on Amazon, losing money just to eventually break even and then start turning a profit um, in that first year. Uh, and Amazon's ecosphere is uh, is is going to have some challenges ahead to, to remain innovative for, for brands because it's increasingly becoming hard to, to, to get far without without a budget. But there's still a lot of opportunity. Uh, it's, it's just about finding those right strategies and, and um, you know, having humble aspirations. Um, uh, we, we deal with a lot of people that have big expectations. They, they, they assume they're going to be profitable in the first three months, making millions in the first year. Um, and although that does happen, it's it's the exception. It's the story you hear about. But 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 most people they got to work hard for a couple of years and they got to do twenty things right consistently for for that first year or two before they can start to really see some great success. So Matt, um, before we jumped into this, we were we alluded to the fact that you sit in a little bit of a different spot than most people that we talk to. You are working prim um, primarily with established brands or an established business that doesn't really understand this Amazon world. So when you are bringing somebody into the world of, of online marketplaces, what is it like? What's the best kept secret that you guys are implementing into their business for Amazon success that they otherwise would have completely missed? Great question. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, you're absolutely right that um, I think there's a lot of uh, agencies and people out there that help uh, startups, people that are just looking to, to build their brand starting on Amazon. We can do that. We have helped on that. 
our primary focus tends to be, though, going after more established companies and helping them with their current product, which they're already selling in brick and mortar stores, already selling on other channels on their own website and aligning those products and their back end infrastructure operations, marketing and whatnot to the Amazon ecosphere. Funnily enough, this is going to sound simplistic, but one of the biggest challenges that, that comes from some of these more established brands is the this logistics side. Because Amazon requires FBA increasingly, and because the FBA model, which now runs on the IPIs, small replenishments and, 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 re and a lot of repeat replenishments versus big bulky orders, a lot of these brands and these companies, they're just very unaccustomed to that type of model. They're used to wholesale, they're used to shipping sort of larger amounts and the need to have good forecasting, good stock levels and a good uh, chain from manufacturing all the way to shipping to the to, to the Amazon warehouse can, can prove quite, quite tricky for some brands and some companies. And I think as we all know, once your product runs out of stock, you lose traction. You lose traction on your PPC, you lose traction on the listing, and it takes time to regain that traction. So one of the easiest wins is just keep your best sellers in stock. And funnily enough, a lot of companies have trouble with that. So we make sure that they're they're, they're educated on these principles. And companies have a learning curve when it comes to, to adopting Amazon. They have to have a very slick operation. They've got to have the right people, the right processes, the right tools, the right reports. And we help with, with all of that along the way. You need the 19 other amazing things as well. Design, good marketing, good optimized listings, good search term sort of research and optimization, a good product, a good price point. Um, but surprisingly, stock just keeping things in stock is is more tricky than than you might assume for some of the bigger some of the bigger guys i think you're right and i think we've all we've all experienced that um, haven't we matt you know like like you hit the nail on the head we often forget that one of the basic fundamentals is to keep inventory i mean why yep. do all of the work ramping up a product getting that product launched and then stock out and lose all that momentum it's just ridiculous but it continues to manifest every single day in smart Amazon sellers all over the world. So I'm glad that you're bringing that front and center again. So aside of a best kept secret, um, Matt, what are, what are most Amazon sellers are getting this wrong in your opinion, outside of what you've already uh, scratched the surface on? A lot of people come to Amazon with a preconceived idea of how it needs to flex. So, so what I mean by that is they come and say, this is how Amazon needs to work for me. And you need to turn that on its head a lot of the time and say, how can I make this work on Amazon? You've got to be flexible. Uh, you've got to have a good mix of flexibility and core proposition on your brand. So you've got to know what your price is, but you've got to know when to, to drop your price and be flexible on price points. And I think a lot of companies we work with, they sometimes have an adjustment period where they come on to Amazon thinking, this is our strategy on how this channel is going to work for us. And we need to turn that on its head. We say, well, actually, you you need to work within how Amazon's going to work with you. Um, and that's an adjustment period that some brands at first have trouble with. But once they see the the results and, and, and you know, they, they get some early successes, they start to appreciate that. Um, so there's a degree of flexibility needed because Amazon is the great equalizer. 
you know, buyers are going there. The demographics are increasingly going there first to look for products before they Google anything. They're becoming far and far less brand centric. So it's all about, I've got 20 products in front of me, which one's the best, which one has the best reviews. And because they know they're completely protected from A to Z claims, they can shop things, try things on for size. And, and if they don't like it, they know it's a no hassle return or it breaks in the next day. So, so brands, they need to make it more about the product and more about the audience and less about their own identity and what they want to push on Amazon. I love that, Seth. I know it's, it's really, really good. And that's what we talk about all the time, Matt, is Amazon is this massive platform that gives you a huge opportunity, but you still have to know how to pull the, the right levers. And some of the things that you mentioned are so simple, but we haven't talked about that in a long time. Just, you know, just the fact of keeping your products in stock gives you a huge advantage. And I've talked to sellers before where, they missed out on 40% of their sales for a year simply yep. because they didn't stay in stock. I mean, that's a big error. And then they have the cost of re-ramping that product, relaunching that product. And sometimes products never recover because Amazon loses trust, right? So you have to redo everything. So Matt, let's talk about a little bit more specifically. Who is the perfect client for you? Who do you like to work with? We uh, we work with anyone really. Uh, we we work with some some very large household entities, which unfortunately I can't name drop on here um, due to, <laughs> to confidentiality. Uh, but we also work with a lot of humble traders, and and you know we've we've had some people come to us with five product, and now they have five hundred. Uh, at the end of the day, if they are looking for a support team, that they're looking for someone to come in and be their managed service management team. That's us. And what we bring to the table is we're not a jack of all trades. We're not one where we're going to just wheel you in front of one person and that one person is going to do everything. What we're going to do is identify what you need, when you need it, and we're going to bring the right people on at the right stages. So you'll have someone very technical who understands analysis and, and listing optimization first. Once you're launched and up and running, that moves to a bit more of a backseat and we just handle the ongoing new product that are coming in. But then the front and center becomes someone who's more strategic more marketing, more savvy for that merchandising and can cast an eye on design and help get those designs put into place or do them for you. And then the big picture of, well, now that we've got everything running and got the right pieces, constantly re-looking at that data. Where are we going? What are we, what are we A-B testing next? What are we refining? What should we try? What promotions should we line up? And so the idea is we have a nimble service that flexes to your needs with the right skill sets coming in and leaving the account as and when you need them. Uh, and I think that's a different approach to, to how others try and silo things by just focusing on marketing or having someone try and do everything, which um, with all due respect to those those people out there, I'm sure they're very good. <laughs> Skill sets are too diverse these days. You just can't be a jack of all trades anymore. There's, there's lots of different skill sets um, required there. And uh, that's what we do. We try and bring the right ones in at the right times for you. I think that's good. So, um Without going into a lot of detail, could you talk about a case study or a recent win that you've seen uh, within your agency? Sure. Um, I can't talk about one by name that I'd like to talk about, uh, but but we, we had a, a fairly big brand come to us uh, last year, and they were trying things they, they'd had some limited success but really they, they didn't uh, they didn't know what they didn't know and and they were having some trouble getting getting much out of the marketplace um, and from a standing start pretty much we took them in year one from one to a million sales um, and with uh, 
you know, just doing do all the right common strategies um, and uh, making sure that that they were very happy with with the way things are going and, and the direction of travel continues to, to, to perform very well. Um, I guess we've got lots of case studies of just inheriting a problematic account. And I think what we do well is we, we, we look at both sides. We don't just look at the front end marketing and, and branding experience. We look at the back end. What a lot of companies miss is that it's not just about sales, it's about profitability. And your operational back end needs to be efficient. It, it, it needs to be slick. It needs to scale. You, you don't want 12 people doing something a machine can do. And you don't want three disconnected teams not, not interfacing uh, and, and, can, and, and, and applying the same logic and practices to a holistic presence. So we look at both sides. We help with that operational infrastructure component so that we have a very slick operation. And, you know, it's theirs. It's not ours. We don't artificially inject ourselves into it. It's, it's, it's their IP that we build with them. But then we look at the front as well. So our case studies can 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 vary. They can be very much just about operationally. We 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 turned a very disjointed um, proposition on the back end with twelve different systems that didn't properly integrate into a very slick, smooth, automated operation. And it can be just the front end. We we took some listings that didn't look so great, weren't doing so many sales, and made them look awesome, and are now achieving some some really nice sales. Gosh, I wish we would have known about Rich Insight back when we were launching one product a day on average, Seth. That would have been a lot easier, wouldn't it? But that was the wild, wild west days of uh, Amazon <laughs> those five <were> years. <laughs> those were a fun time, though. Those those wild, wild west days. They were a fun time. They were a fun time. And I've, they were uh, different. <laughs> I've earned a lot of this gray hair as well, like we were talking about before we started the broadcast. So, um, we're going to try to start winding things down and ask how to contact you. But before we do that, uh, May, I want to play the uh, the mid-roll about um, liking the podcast and sharing it, if you don't mind queuing that up. And when you're ready, when we come back, Matt, we're going to talk about um, if there's one thing that you really want to leave with viewers and listeners, an idea that you want them to take away, what would that be? And then we're going to talk about how to contact you. May? As you know, Seth and I don't sell anything on the show at the Post Purchase Podcast. So why don't you do us a favor right now? If you'll just go to your favorite podcast platform and just like us and review us, write us a review, give us a star rating, we'd sure appreciate it. And it will help other entrepreneurs like you easily find our show. Thank you. As you know, (laughs) so Matt, if you don't mind, um, if there's one thought or idea when it comes to managing a successful Amazon business that you want to leave listeners with today, what would that be? And then we'll talk about how to reach out to you. Sure. Uh, there's always one, th- th- there's always multiple ways to be successful and there's always uh, multiple ways to, to achieve success. But, but often there's a strict funnel of things that need to be done in order to get there. So um, I guess I would challenge anyone out there who, doesn't believe that they can be successful on Amazon or doesn't believe their product is the right fit to the notion that uh, Amazon is going to continue to acquire an audience. And so what you need to do is not, not to be rude about this, bury your head in the sand. You need to embrace the change and the spirit out there. Um, and you need to find ways of making these channels successful for you. So, you know, we, we love solving problems from a tiny, simple little problem to a big, huge macro business problem. If you want to challenge us, just go right ahead and contact us. 
<laughs> I love it. So Matt, let's uh, transition to the last part of our show here. We have two fun questions. The first one I'm dying to know because you've been around the game a while and you probably have some insights that I haven't seen. So what's your all-time favorite business book? Ooh, business book. Yours, of course. <laughs> that was timely. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the Everything Store by Jeff Bezos was a very interesting read. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have said that on your show, but uh, it's 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 a very good read. To be honest, though, my favorite book is not business at all. It's called The Mind of God, and it's a mathematical book, um, and it's it's about sort of you know reality and and science. And uh, it uh, I've read it a few times. It changed me in a fundamental way. The mind of God. Okay, I'm going to add that to the list. I like that. So right now I'm on this uh, this fictional kick, which I haven't been on for years, trying to catch up on all the latest John Grisham books. So when I uh, shift back the other way, I'll add that one to my uh, short list there. So I understand that you've possibly created some sort of special offer for listeners and viewers of the podcast to engage with you. Uh, you care to go into that about the uh, the discounts and access to white papers? Oh, absolutely. So, so um, we've got a number of white papers and we've got some, some pre-built uh, analysis tools that we tend to, to charge for. Um, and anyone who references this show and, and contacts us, we'd be more than happy to, to, to share the white papers freely and also do some, some free analysis work for you. We can help not only on channel expansion opportunities for you, but also just give you a, um, a, a kind of window perspective into how well you're doing at the moment. If you do decide to sign up with us on some project-based or managed services, and we offer some very flexible sort of no commitment uh, offers, um, we would also, in addition, be willing to shave 10% off our normal price for you. I love it. So free access to your otherwise uh, billable white papers, and then 10% off of rate cards that choose to work with you. For those listening, not watching, you want to go to richinsight.co.uk or and or I should say, email Matthew at richinsight.co.uk. Matthew at richinsight.co.ck. Okay, okay, so Matt, Matthew, I'm going to call you Matt because that's what it says here on your tag. Please do. Please what do. Is, uh, here's another last fun question. What is something that you've purchased personally in the last 12 months? Others may view as a splurge, but you definitely do not regret the purchase. Uh Oof, okay. This is, well, embarrassingly, I have to admit, I bought the remastered Last of Us on PS5 at full price. Um, I just couldn't wait for it to be discounted because it was such a good series. <laughs> wow. That was a okay. The remastered. All right. All right. Fair enough. So, um, you know, we, we talk about all these, we hear crazy things like Seth's best splurge was a, was a ping pong table. We've heard uh, yachts. We've heard homes. We've heard um, you know, private schooling for children. So nothing is out of the ordinary, but I have to admit here live, since we're talking uh, geek stuff, is that I reluctantly purchased these Oculus headsets for uh, Meta for my entire family. And I'm embarrassed to admit that I really enjoy going into the Metaverse and gambling, <laughs> which is something I never do in real life. It's just, well, <laughs> you, well, they need you. There's only five people there last I heard. So they need you there. Yes. So my son and I were playing roulette which I've literally never played in real life as a human, but in the metaverse, I was able to, to win like $1.2 million that it's worth <laughs> nothing. And it was just a whole lot of fun hanging out there with my 15 year old son uh, in the casino. So that's my splurge so far, Seth, you know, the first time that's I purchased good. that Matt, 
I wore it for one day and I thought, boy, this could really get out of hand. So I shipped it back. My children were like, dad, where's the Oculus? I said, I sent it back. Trust me. I've done you a favor. It was like three years ago. And now we all have one. And it's just a lot of fun, man. Doing like uh, boxing games and workouts and playing football. It's just crazy fun. So this well, has been a lot of fun. Uh, so Matt, any uh, final words of advice and may that's your cue to, to uh, get us ready for our, for our post uh, roll outro. It's been a pleasure speaking to you guys. Thank you for having me. And yeah, just, just anyone out there, you've got a challenge. You're really not sure what to do. Just, just email me, email us. We, we, we love the challenge. We'll be happy to help. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you. Thank you.